Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in Sharia. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm here. (laughs) It's never made me so happy. Our she or her has never made me so happy. Our guest just walked out the door. Um, so. <laughs> Have a good week, you guys. <laughs> I'm Summer White. <laughs> I can't stop. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, I want you to know that if you were like, if you came over to my house and you were like, I lost all of my makeup. <laughs> Can I borrow yours? I would let you borrow my MAC foundation and not the Maybelline. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. In what situation would I have just like... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was like on a minimalism kick. Yeah. And I was like, just get rid of all of this. And the next day I was like, why? Why? <laughs> He's gone. He's leaving. <laughs> welcome for that yes thank you you're welcome and you're right i am joy and i'm here with my beautiful ghost and her embarrassed dad <laughs> summer white well her dad's not summer white but anyway <laughs> sorry antecedent mix up there um but i am here with summer who is not her dad <laughs> i guess there is some like <laughs> She's trying really hard not to spit out water right now. Okay. Oh, she got it. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's her over there. Here I am. And Summer, um, uh-huh. I just want to know, mm. I just want you to know that um, it would have been a way better choice for the FBI to send you to interview Hannibal Lecter as opposed to Clarice Starling. Wow. Because you just would have like. I'd have been like, you don't have just been leave reduced. him in there. Just leave he him. He would have been reduced to just nothing. All of his mind tricks. I could like you would have just rolled your eyes. <laughs> and his evil would have been right destroyed. And if he was, and if God chose to do so, he would be saved. Because <laughs> God chooses. Just throwing that. Just saying that. Whoops. A little bit in there. Oh, you <laughs> that guys. That has nothing to do with you, but. It has nothing to do with point. me. This is a side point. Nope. <laughs> just so you guys know. Now that everybody's offended. <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> Even me. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the other thing. So, when I was like, I'm going to talk my dad into buying me lunch and coming on my show. <laughs> I was like, what are the two things that uh, Christians probably don't know enough about? And I feel pretty calm. Conf- the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. 
And also, I, I think, you know, I'll just confess it, like a, um, a shortcoming in like other religions that I've given a lot of cares about would definitely right. be Islam. And so I, I think we have a very American-centric view of Islam. Mm -hmm. I think that, and that was why I did the she that I did, because I think in America, when most of us think of Islam, what do we think about? We think right. like, oh, Sharia law, and we think like the towers, and right. we have a very American-centric view of Islam. I do not know, I don't personally know a lot of Muslims, um, so I, you know, growing up in Arizona, I, I grew up with Mormons. Like right. that was the other like major religion that I grew up around. Right. Um, so I'm much more comfortable with <laughs> well, Mormons. Kind of, some of that depends on, it does depend on where, where you are. Yeah. If you're a lot of, uh, lots of, um, in the Midwest, there's a high Islamic population. Whereas here there's like I a lot of Mormons, I, right. a lot of like, right. so it does, some of it does. Right. But I mean, you're right. So like we do have it. We have we probably know everyone listening probably has like three things they know about Islam. about Islam. Right. And they may not be like the most accurate. Right. <laughs> um, they might not, be. They it's might not, not be. not a great representation of them overall. Like right. I doubt most people know three things about Islam that would be a good representation. Yes. Overall of what yes. it is. And so I remember when my dad started really studying Islam. I remember I was I was a lot younger and forgive me for this, but I remember thinking like why are you doing this? Like why? Like there's not that many Muslims, you know what I mean? Because right. growing up in the education system that I grew up in, um you know, there just wasn't a lot of like focus on that and then really when Islam kind of exploded into the American consciousness, at least for my generation, was when the towers fell. Right. Uh, and then the other thing, <clears throat> I remember my dad saying this, was <laughs> quite a rebuke, and I think we all need to hear it, so. <laughs> but um, I was trying to listen to a debate he was doing with a Muslim, and I was like, I, I was like, well, I can't get through it. I don't know what he's saying. I can't understand him. <laughs> and oh. my dad was like, <sighs> Stop it. <laughs> like, stop being so American right now. Like, this is worth the time. It's worth the effort. Which I think we all need to hear. Yeah. Sometimes yes. we all need to hear, yes. stop being so American right, right. now. Like, America is not the center of the universe, in case you didn't know. Like, the other day, I walked in to the room right now, and I was like, I am the worst person oh, yeah. on the planet. Yes. Like, I'm just the worst. Yes. And it was because I was filling up my water bottle mm -hmm. at our, like, fancy mm, water cold. Yes alkaline uh -huh. cooler and uh -huh. i was like this is taking so long uh -huh. and i walked in and i was like i have to just get rid of that like i don't know i'm just right we all can we all can stand We're so to american be, right that the thing that annoys us the most about the water all the water we have access to cold alkaline water is that it takes so long to fill up my large cup right my huge <laughs> cup that I also bought in a store and had the money to buy it with. We're kind I don't of know. the worst sometimes. Okay. So we anyway. All can hear, we all can stand to hear it. Thanks for still not leaving yet, Dad. Because <laughs> I was going somewhere with that. Sorry. <laughs> I promise. So, and I, I think I remember, I think I'm remembering this accurately. It could be wrong. But when you first started studying Islam, I think 
I remember you saying to me that the like the largest Muslim population is actually in Indonesia. Indonesia. Right. Okay. Millions, right? Yeah, that's it's a majority Muslim nation, and uh, only between sixteen and nineteen percent of the world's Muslims are Arabic, and so we have this idea of every Muslim's uh, wearing a some type of Arabic garb and and, right. and so on and so forth. When the majority of Sunni Muslims in the world are are Asian, right? So that was shocking. I, I was fourteen or fifteen years old before I knew that. Yeah. you know, because we do have this very. Just like all Muslims are Middle Eastern, and and well, that's because of our our exposure to Fox News, Islam was <laughs> this like this thing accompanied by mm-hmm. patriotism and all yes. this stuff that helped to shape this weird view that we right all seem to have right. And so, um, and then another thing I thought that was fascinating that kind of changed my view of Islam is when you told me just how many Muslims there are in European countries mm-hmm. um, and how much they're a part of those countries was just, just shocking to me. Well, that's changed a lot just over the past few years. The, uh, the immigration crisis uh, is, is tearing Europe apart. Uh, mm. The problem being that this immigration is uh, uncontrolled and its purpose is not actually to uh, assimilate to that culture but to change that culture. Right. You you join that together with the the birth rate amongst native Europeans, and at least in the first in the first generation, anyhow, uh, it's it's such a huge disparity that the proportions in the population are changing so rapidly that it's tearing those those the forms of government and those societies apart. Now it's interesting. I do do something that most Christians don't do. I listen to what Muslims say to other Muslims. So I listen to lectures from Muslims mm-hmm. intended for Muslims. Mm-hmm. And they're very concerned that um, when you get to the second generation and the third generation of those people who've gone into Western co- countries, their birth rate drops back off to where it's the same as the, as the others. Mm-hmm. And many of those people stop going to mosques, stop, mm-hmm. stop doing the prayers, they become secularized. Mm-hmm. And so they have the same concerns, mm-hmm. just from another perspective. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, uh, when I first started studying uh, Islam in 2005, a lot of people thought I had completely lost my mind because, you know, the big, the big surge was, was 9-11, 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the time 2005 came along, I started like, yeah, well, you know, did the, yeah. been there, done that, got the T-shirt, you know, we we've moved on from there. Um, but I was invited to do a debate over at Biola University with Shabir Ali, and in listening to him, I, I discovered that the key issues he was raising were the key issues I had been studying my entire life. So in other words, he used a lot of liberal uh, the- theologians and theology. I went to a liberal seminary. Uh, the Trinity, the transmission of the text of Scripture, these were all issues I had been spending a great, great deal of my time on. But even then, it took a number of years before I ever did a debate where I was actually critiquing Islam. At first, all of my debates were defensive of Christianity because, um, and I've been criticized for this, but I'll go ahead and state it again. I'm a student of Islam. I'm not an expert on Islam. I don't think I started late. I, I didn't start early enough in light to ever really become an expert. It's too big of a subject. And I've been criticized for that by people who know one one hundredth of what I know <laughs> about mm-hmm. Islam, but they claim to be experts. Um, it's a huge subject. Uh, there's a lot of material, and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of reading, but I also do other things. Right, you know, right. Working on a PhD in a completely different field right now, it sort of limits your time. So um, 
But the real thing, the real issue, of course, is most, most Christians do not know a Muslim in any meaningfully deep fashion. Right. When you get outside the United States, uh, when you go, I go to South Africa a lot, and when you go to South Africa, you have a very integrated society. You have, you can't help, you're, you're, a, you're a religious minority yourself, and so you cannot help but have constant interaction with people from uh, Indian people and Muslim people and, and Hindu people and, and people that are nothing, or in, in South Africa, all sorts of native religions and things like that. So you, you recognize that to be able to actually evangelize these people, you can't do it the American way. You, you can't stand on a street corner with a sign. You can't pass out four spiritual laws. Um, you have to overcome so many barriers, especially language barriers, culture barriers, um, that personal relationship and investment of time is just absolutely a, a necessity. And so it, it's fascinating. I've, I've been very roundly criticized of late uh, for, for daring to show respect for Muslim scholars, for uh, having engagement that isn't just simply a flame-throwing contest uh, with, with Muslims. But none of that criticism has come from overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, in talking to everyone who is actually uh, involved, in fact, you know Michael Brown, uh, mm-hmm. and of course I get a lot of criticism for being friends with Michael Brown too. <laughs> um, but uh, Michael had a uh, missionary from Iraq. He lives in Iraq, uh, in the war zone. So he deals mainly with ISIS, um, and he's still alive. And um, he had him on the air. He asked him to listen to the dialogues I did with Dr. Yasser Qadi in Memphis in February of last year, or is it J- in January? Anyway, um, January. And uh, live on the air, without knowing what his response was going to be, he asked him, now, just be honest with me. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Mm-hmm. And he thought, oh, that's, that's fantastic. He says, we, we wish something like that could happen. I mean, this is not only encouraging to us, but that's exactly what we have to try to do here mm-hmm. uh, when we're doing this. Custom. So these people that are actually out there on the front lines, they're all like, mm-hmm. What's, what's th- this, is, this is awesome. Um, but only here in the United States did you get this kickback of people saying, well, you know, really it was, it was people basically saying you need to give the gospel a safe space. Mm. Uh, we need to have gospel safe spaces. And outside the United States, it's like, no, get the gospel anywhere you can. It's powerful enough to take care of itself. Right, right. We, just, we just want the opportunity to actually get it out there. Right. And so there is, I have, unfortunately, I have to report to folks that there is a tremendous amount of uh, bigotry and prejudice amongst conservative Christians uh, toward Muslims. It's primarily because uh, we watch Fox News. I'm not put, particularly putting the focus on Fox News, but if we... I can't, I can't even listen to MSNBC without losing my mind. So yeah. you know, if I'm going to follow news at all, that's probably what I'm, I'm going to be listening to. And as a result, we only get one particular perspective. And as Christians, if our primary theological understanding of a group comes from Fox News, we've got a problem. Yeah. Uh, because Fox News is not a theological source. And right. so um, since you, you combine that, with the fact that almost nobody in the churches actually really has a great deal of knowledge about Islam and is willing to accurately represent it, um, with what we see from ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Boko Haram and, and groups like this, you put all together, there's a huge fear factor. There's also, unfortunately, amongst conservative Christians, a huge selling of fear 
Uh, there are people who have books and survival materials and stuff like that, and they want you, they want you to be afraid uh, because that's going to make you buy more stuff. You put all that together, and there's very, very little um, outreach being done in the United States to the Muslim community because there are places like Dearborn, Michigan, that are, that mm-hmm, are very, right. very, have lots and lots of, of Muslims there. Um, but there's there's almost no meaningful communication going on between the between the two communities at all. We're just we're just not having any impact. Right. And uh, the the well, Muslims they're having a huge impact. Like you said, they're they're having a lot of kids. Yeah. So kind of. Well, yeah. But interestingly <laughs> enough, here here in the United States, you do very quickly see that that rate drop off. Oh, they're, okay. They're, they're, they become there's, there's not secularized. that much. Yeah, there's okay. not that much of a difference. Okay. Uh, the first generation, yes. Okay. Second generation, half of that. By the third generation, they're having the same number as wow. as okay. Westerners do. All right. Uh, so there is a there is that to keep in mind, and they're very concerned about that. Yeah. But as far as the communities themselves are concerned, um, uh, one of the reasons I did I did these these two dialogues with uh, Dr. Yasakati. I'm not going to ask either one of you if you've actually watched any of those dialogues. I have. I okay. have. Okay. Okay. I did. Good. good. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, one of the main reasons I did is in talking with, with Dr. Kadi, uh, he, had, he had made the statement to me that he said, you know, I can get the liberal Christians in Memphis to talk to me all, all, all day long. They yeah. don't have any problem doing mm-hmm. that. They'll do these interfaith dialogues where we all just get together and sing Kumbaya. He says, but the Christians who actually believe something, he recognizes that liberal Christianity doesn't really say anything. It doesn't right. really have any beliefs. And so um, he says, trying to get the people who actually say they believe that the Bible is the word of God and actually have theological beliefs to, to talk with me, is, it's, just, it's impossible. Right. And, uh, and I said, it's called fear. Yeah. Um, two kinds of fear. Uh, it's fear of I've been told that you all just want to kill me, and if you're really a Muslim, you, you want to try to kill me, and so on and so forth. Or fear of, I don't want to offend, and since I'm so ignorant of what you actually believe, right. yeah. if I open my mouth, I'm probably going to stick my foot in it yeah. and make things worse, and so I'm just going to go around the other way, and I'm not going to talk to you. And one of the, one of the sad things about this, um, I've mentioned this a number of times, and it would fit here on Sheologians, um, especially with people, with uh, Muslim women who have come from another, another land or maybe the, the next generation, uh, I'm not going to have almost any opportunity to talk to those folks. Okay. Um, to females. To females. Right. Okay. Uh, just because of, of the societal and religious um, um, taboo right. of uh, even talking to uh, a male, let alone a male who's not a part of the Ummah, the, the Muslim community. And so the only way that uh, those many Muslim nurses and things like that that you see working in healthcare and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, the only way that they're going to be reached is through our Christian women uh, mm. being of witness to them. Mm. And um, so it, it's, it, you know, once you actually get to know these folks, once you actually start talking to them, you know, there's the same spectrum amongst them. They have nominal Muslims. There are Muslims who are Muslims in name only and, and, and the whole nine yards. But, but in general, once you get an opportunity to start talking to these folks and just find out uh, that they're the, they're the salt of the earth, they're often extremely hospitable. And what's amazing is we will just break our backs to try to get a secular person to talk to us about spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And here you've got an entire community that wants to talk to you about Jesus. 
Yeah. Because right. they think they believe in Jesus. Right. Right. And, um, you know, they, they, they will even tell you we're the second largest religion in the world that teaches people to love Jesus. Right. Right. Um, well, there's a, there's a, a door so wide open you could drive a truck through it sideways. Uh, and, yet, <laughs> and yet the vast majority of us are just running from, from, from having any type of that type of interaction at yeah. all. Or what's even worse, uh, there are certain people, some of whom you know and have met and have gone on cruises with, mm-hmm. uh, who think that evangelism of these folks is just ticking off the four spiritual laws. And once you've done that, you just, you know, uh, as I said in, in responding to one such individual, I said, yes, uh, that's why the Bible says the love of Christ compels us to keep you at arm's length. Uh, <laughs> the idea that you have, which, which all Christians outside the United States know, of long-term evangelism, mm-hmm. investment in people's right. life, mm-hmm. demonstration through your life of mm-hmm. what Christ means to you. Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, those first missionaries we sent to Muslim lands, you know, they didn't have converts for decades. Yeah. You know, from, from the world's perspective, that was complete failure, but mm-hmm. it wasn't complete failure. It's, it, it is often a very lengthy process. And mm-hmm. that's why it's just not happening in the United States is yeah. because we don't understand what really is, is required there. And yet here's a, I was just, I just got back from London a couple, well, week before last. And every Uber ride I took, Uber's everywhere over there. And uh, every single Uber ride I took, I, except the last one. Last one, I, uh, I had, a, had a guy with a Roman Catholic background, so we talked about different things. But um, they were all Muslims. Mm-hmm. And the conversations we ended up having were each, each one of them obviously very different. I mean, yeah. one guy from Pakistan, man, he wanted to argue theology, and he, he had a weird view of Islam and stuff like that. But all of them were just fascinated by the conversations and dialogues and debates that I've had. And they were all uh, writing down my name, Yasser Qadi's name. They were going to be going home and watching on YouTube. And, and, and you know if they watch those dialogues over in the right-hand column, is going to be the debates that I've done and all the right. rest of that kind of stuff. And, yep. and, uh, but they wanted to talk. It, yeah. they, 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 you know, and you get, you get a secular guy driving that thing. Oh, yeah, they don't want to talk. Gonna, they're <laughs> they're going to want to talk no, about no. football, which over there is soccer. Over here is soccer over there. So right. Something like that, but they're not going to want to talk about anything spiritual. No. And uh, so there, there's, there's just a ton of precious people, and the people they need to be talking to are the people that fear them the most. And uh, it was what happened after those dialogues in Nashville that really touched me because I had a young man come up to me as soon as the, as the first one was over, which was in a church. It wasn't on a Sunday. Yasser Qadi wasn't invited to preach, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it was a ticketed event. Everybody knew Our on the weekend. Our listeners don't need these caveats. Yeah, they know. Well, you know, maybe, but <laughs> they're, in, they're intellectuals. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, just in case some of you guys thought it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, this this young Muslim comes up. We haven't even gotten over to where they've got the refreshments put out. And he said, "You know, I I, I just want to thank you for this." He says because you know we were, I was seriously trying to find where we could move, because. We just feel so isolated and so hated. There mm-hmm. are people, there, there's so many people who've got a I love Jesus sticker on the back of their truck, but they yell at us, go back where we came from, and they mistreat my wife at the grocery store, and my kids are scared at school. And, and uh, to see this and to realize that there are people that, that are willing to do this, you know, changes, changes everything. And um, as I was leaving, as, as, as these guys were leaving later on, 
you walk in, you're having refreshments, and, and the Muslims are talking not with the other Muslims, but with Christians. Yeah. Normally after debates, you got the Muslims over there yeah. and they're doing their thing. The Christians <laughs> over here, they're doing their thing. Yeah. The Muslims and the Christians are all talking together and it's not, it's not a kumbaya moment. It is, we're talking about meaningful things because we just, we just modeled how it could be done in mm-hmm. the other room and now it's being done where it needs to be done yeah. out there amongst people. Uh, but these three Muslim guys were leaving and they came up to me and they shook my hand and thanked me for the evening. And, and I, uh, I said to him, I said, uh, did you feel welcome this evening? And uh, the older one in, in the middle of the three, his eyes teared up. And he said, I did not think this was possible. Mm-hmm. I did not think this was possible. Um, and so then the next night at the mosque, um, you know, Dr. Cotty gave me a tremendously kind introduction. And afterwards, I'm talking, where we had, again, wonderful munchies. I was eating cookies I probably shouldn't have eaten, but um, <laughs> uh, they were really good. And um, these two young ladies walk up to me in full hijab, beautiful embroidered hijab. And um, this young lady, she says to me, she says, uh, thank you so much for coming. Really, really, really enjoy it. It's very, very interesting. She says, um, I've, I've got, can I ask you a question? And um, I could tell she's a university student. So that's why she was a little bit more, you know, she's sort of the Americanized mm-hmm. version. She right, doesn't yeah. have the social taboos uh, right. from coming from another, you know, she may be second, third generation down the road. Um, and she says to me, uh, how do you deal with the influence of pagan religion on the development of the doctrine of the Trinity at the Council of Nicaea? <laughs> Go girl. And <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah, um, yeah talk about asking the right person you know right, yeah. uh, so for i don't know how long i i i talked about ignatius of antioch and the early testimony to the deity of christ and what constantine's actual role at nicaea really was and, and she was just drinking it all in and was just fascinated uh, by the resources that i directed her toward and stuff like that mm-hmm. that kind of a conversation just just doesn't happen after debates yeah. Um, yeah. and that kind of a conversation is only going to happen with open doors when there has been uh, a demonstration not only of respect toward the other side but you know i show respect to the muslims by accurately representing what they believe and she had just heard her own imam saying, I've never met a Christian minister with a knowledge of Islam like this man. Right. right. Well, that opens up every door right. possible. And what the result of that was, the Christians that were there likewise got to have the benefit of that uh, in having the conversations with people. And so, you know, it's real easy for us to sit in our churches and talk about loving the lost mm-hmm. and reaching out to the lost. Mm-hmm. But in our day... Uh, putting legs on that and recognizing in the Muslim people a people who have they have different beliefs and they have what we have to honestly say are false beliefs we we cannot believe Joseph, Joseph Smith yeah there you go <laughs> well can't believe Joseph Smith is a problem same. that's true that's, same yep. same thing also true uh, also very true, true there <laughs> but we, we can't believe Muhammad uh, was a prophet because Muhammad comes after uh, Jesus and the teachings of the Quran are contradictory to what is found in the Old and New Testaments, even though the Quran says it is consistent. And mm-hmm. the very fact that it makes reference to the Old and New Testament gives us very fertile soil in which to have these conversations. Um, but we see a people who think they believe in Jesus, but have been given a Jesus. If you read the Quran, 
you won't know anything about Jesus. Jesus right. is mentioned by name 25 times in the Quran. There's about 95, 98 references to him in, in other ways. But, but the Jesus of the Quran is not really a person. He's an argument. Uh, you, you'd never love that Jesus. Um, and yet we have so many opportunities to reach out to these folks, but, but we're not doing it. Right. And um, so I, I recognize that the Lord lays upon people's hearts. Uh, different groups of people. Right. And of I would never have expected, um, to, you know, just, just a few weeks ago, I was sitting outside a little baguette restaurant on the main street in Birmingham, England, looking out on the cathedral church from the old city. I mean, if you look at all the old paintings of Birmingham, there's, there it is. I mean, I am, and yet there, I'd say 20%, 25% of the people walking by are in Islamic dress. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, Birmingham is being called Birminghamistan because it wow. was just a huge number of Muslims. Yeah. And I'm sitting there with two young Muslim men, one of whom I'm going to be debating that evening on, on the crucifixion of Jesus. And we're having an in-depth conversation, not only about theology, uh, but also about how that impacts our view of the world around us. I never would have dreamed mm-hmm. in, in even back in 2001 or something like that, that that was what was down the road uh, for me. But once you, once you find out uh, where these people are, it, you, just, you just realize, wow, I want to be able to reach them. And there's, there's certain preparation that's required to be able to do that effectively. I'm not saying to anybody in the audience, you shouldn't witness to a Muslim uh, if you're not fully prepared, but obviously we want to be sharp instruments in the Lord's hands. We don't, we don't want to be clumsy. We don't, we don't want to make those unwarranted mistakes. And so there, mm-hmm. it, there is preparation that yeah. we can do that will actually, every, every missionary we send out overseas, uh, we prepare them to, to understand what the people in that area believe. And so you can communicate with them effectively. It's just amazing that we have people saying, no, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that kind of thing. But obviously, um, if you live in some parts of the United States, you just ain't going to run across right. a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can pray for those who do. You can support missionaries and those who do. But man, uh, there are more and more of them. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we shouldn't be running from them. We yeah. should actually be seeking opportunities to get to know them, to befriend them. Uh, because if, if you show them the respect of accurately representing what they believe, uh, breaking bread with them, demonstrating that, that how you view the world is seen through the lens of who Jesus is to you. Man, you could have such incredible uh, opportunities of, of witness. But yeah. most Christians just want to hold them at arm's length. You know, hand them a track maybe if you're really super spiritual. But other than that, you just, <laughs> you just hold them at arm's length. And that's, that's accomplishing absolutely nothing. Right. You know, actually, I, when I was at ASU a couple of weeks ago with Marcus filming something. And this guy was like running down the sidewalk with this like anti Joe Arpaio sign. Mm-hmm. And he was just like the whitest dude and with bright ginger hair and bright I've blue seen eyes. More and more like like college student. Yeah, I stopped Muslims. him. And I've seen that more and more. He's over a Muslim. The past few mm-hmm. weeks even. Uh, and it's just it was like it just shocked me because we started talking and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Muslim. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think there's probably a good chance that we 
might actually know more Muslims than we think we right. do. Um, although, like I said, I mean, we don't live in a highly Islamic there's some, there's area. A, there's, a mosque, there's a mosque right next to us, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. I've, I've taken okay. one of my uh, classes when I was teaching from one okay. of the local seminaries. I took them over there to observe prayers and to talk with the imams. So, well, yeah, that makes sense. There is one over there. Yeah. So there are some very basic... I, I know basic things about Islam, not because I've gone to a bunch of your debates, because I was 10. I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I missed out. Like, I'm front row at this, like, what would be really... That was the really... first one I had done. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't really a Muslim debate, but it was with a Muslim. Right. Yeah. Um, but I... Hamza Abdul Malik. I remember that. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote a short, very accessible book on uh called what every christian needs to know not about. overly short well i thought it was short it's not a thousand pages no it's not a thousand pages <laughs> <laughs> um and it was very easy to read and so i feel like i know like the three like main differences between christianity and islam or the the ones that'll probably come up right um and it's not tough stuff like if you know the basics of the gospel right. these you know what i mean in a kind of like a converse a conversation um especially if you've read that book or know just the basics, I feel like you can have a fruitful conversation For with sure. a Muslim right. um, without having to do a ton, a ton, a ton well, of research. Well, generally there are, I mean, with anyone, there are going to be, they're gonna, there's going to be a few things that they believe mm-hmm. that are salvation issues, mm-hmm. things that, a few things that separate them mm-hmm. from the true and only God. Yes. And so... A lot of times between different religions or cults or um, you, those are a lot of times those are the same. Now, right, like right. not, they're not um, right. always like their belief about what they actually are is not always the same. Right. But like the issues. Right. T- tend to be. So very like with similar. a Mormon or a Muslim, you're pro- you could end up talking about the transmission of the text. Right. Just as easily. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so there are things like you may be. Like who Jesus is. Like at a certain point, would you say that you were more prepared than you thought you were? Just because of your knowledge he of goes the into, Trinity. He goes into territory none of the rest of us ever I will. know. But before, <laughs> like, so before you had started studying this. Yeah. Um, and then knowing what you know now. Well, were you, I mean, you weren't as prepared as you'd like to be because no, you were a scholar. No, you, you, you have to, you know, I've read the Quran now numerous times and, right. and things like that. But <clears throat> what attracted me was uh, I could recognize I was going to have something positive to contribute to it because of the fact that uh, the Muslim apologists, and they have their own apologists, it's mm-hmm. called Dawah. Uh, okay. It's a, a da'i, it's a person who does Dawah. Um, they were going after the Trinity. Okay. The deity of Christ and the textual transmission of the text. Right. Those are all my areas. Right. And so, uh, and they were utilizing uh, theological liberalism from the Christian perspective, which again, I went to Fuller Seminary. So, so it's <laughs> yeah. like, well oh, versed. I've, been, awesome. I've, made, I've been made for this calling. So yeah, <laughs> that, that was part of it. No, no toys about it. But yeah, as long as you understand, I mean, th- there are certain areas. You need to know what son of God means. You need to understand that from their perspective, they think that God had a wife and had a kid named Jesus, and that's what we think this is. Right. Not all of them believe that, but the, especially if they come from another country, that's pretty much what they're going to believe you think uh, the Trinity is and things like that. So there are, uh, it's, it's obviously extremely useful to spend some time listening to at least a couple of the debates because right. you, then you sort of start picking up, oh, 
This is, these are consistent questions, especially if you listen to the audience questions. Not so much what the other guy says. Fast forward the audience questions and listen to the Muslims, and you start getting, oh, boy, they, they, they really have this thing about that fig tree. The, fig, the, 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 the thing with Jesus and the fig tree. Mm-hmm. That just, right. most Muslims are like, see, Jesus didn't know when the season of figs was, and that means he can't be God. And, right, right. and we struggle to know how to respond to that because we're sitting there going, <laughs> What? Never yeah. heard that one before, you right, know. Right. Uh, so, uh, but you you can prepare yourself uh, to 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 reach out to them in a, and not necessarily the same way that I do it. Obviously, uh, I open the door to those conversations in those Ubers by narrating hadith mm-hmm. uh, to right. these guys, and they're sort of like. He really does I, this. I, I, I've I been actually, I've been in a cab with him. Oh yeah, and yeah, the second right. the mm-hmm. second he oh, realizes like boom here we go <laughs> well and and one of the guys in, in london he as we got to got to where he was gonna drop me off he says i've never had anyone like you in my car he said <laughs> they don't know what's coming <laughs> it's, it's fun it's fun they're it's gonna fun. start like putting a tag on your like uber app like right well, i wasn't watch out for I, this I don't guy, have an like uber this app. Guy. it's, it's oh. always the church is doing it for me so oh, okay. i'm cool i'm safe on that under one. the yeah. radar yeah. yeah smart smart yeah. well so not to do another James White book as like our homework, <laughs> but would you recommend that? Yeah, I would actually, because I don't know of any other like completely readily available, easy to read, right. fairly quick. Here's what you need to know about right. the Quran. Like, here's what you need to know to go into these conversations. Right. Let me warn folks. The book has been criticized for going too in depth. So there, there is oh. a lot of material in it, especially if you read the end notes. I've okay. always said if you don't read my end notes, you're really missing out on most of the price you pay for the book. But Our listeners are so uh, smart. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but basically I used the Quran as an outline for addressing salvation, the deity of Christ, the Trinity, uh, the transmission. I compare the transmission of the text of the New Testament with that of the Quran and things like that. So it, it does pretty much cover mm-hmm. and it gives you a history of Muhammad and Aisha and and uh, Zainab bin Josh and all those other fascinating issues you can get into so there's more there than what you would quote unquote need I suppose people have criticized the title of the book um, but it's definitely gives you a good foundation to be able to go from there not to waste yeah. about it yeah. it's not hard to read okay. I, I didn't feel overwhelmed or bored right well and so we have decided that this is something we want oh, to yeah. start doing. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And right now we don't have a more clever name for it other than like homework. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and it's, of course, it's not mandatory. Nobody's checking it. We're not right. grading it. Please do not send any essays to us. Um, <laughs> or do. <laughs> um, or do. Or do. Don't or do. I mean, uh, we'll see. Um, Whatever but you were divinely appointed to. There's going to be stuff that we would love so like the only the only way that I've that okay so I hang out with the Apologia Radio crowd a lot obviously um and there's I have issues I have things that not issues with them but there's things that I like that really I'm interested in and we like never talk about them unless I facilitate that and so there's a lot of stuff I know that I only know because I went and learned it for myself um so of course i'm not calling everyone lazy or whatever but it's hard it takes an amount of self-control and discipline to teach yourself certain things so uh, what i don't want we want to start pretty much every episode giving you guys a place to go to learn a thing that way you don't have to wait for us to do an episode to learn about it Mm -hmm. Um, because we get a lot of questions a lot of topic 
suggestions, things like that. And we just don't, we do one podcast a week. Mm-hmm. That's what we put out. <laughs> um, and so I would love it if, if something, if you hear us give some homework, air quotes, that uh, you're like, huh, I have been wanting to learn about that. Take that as an opportunity. We're going to give you a place to go to learn about it too. Yep. Um, so that that way you don't, have to wait until yeah. we talk about it or someone else talks about it you right. can and it'll be on the website i'll make sure that's yes. posted with the episode Absolutely. for you yeah. um I, and honestly and it will not always be a james white book sorry <laughs> no <laughs> it won't it's not always gonna be but when you're the best in your field oh, it's please. just all there's when you're talking so. about the trinity there just really it's isn't really, another book nope and like you're in on this episode here <laughs> for a reason islam so yes there we go yes so, yeah, check out the website for that. And we have to close out this episode, but I cannot not read this title with you here. Oh, because this is something you'll be listening to? This is our, no, you don't have to listen. You don't oh, have to put okay. headphones on. Okay. Um, so this, this is our Feminist of the Week. We'll go through it really quickly. Um, and when I read it, I was just like, where's my dad? <laughs> uh, and... So the title of this article is Man Who Thinks He's a Woman Crushing Women's Cycling. I'm proof having trans athletes is fair. So there is a trans... There's a man uh, riding in women's cycling and he's just killing it. But... Well, of course. But he went from being, like, really great... (gasps) (laughs) Wait, what? What so he's bad that's so, the so he's gotten worse since he became a female so yes because oh, once he gosh. started taking estrogen quote i went from 16 minutes to 26 27 28 minutes i was like testosterone gives you this drive this oomph and i didn't have that push anymore my muscles looked big but i don't have any energy <laughs> oh my god so essentially like because like he's doing really well but he's not like getting first in everything so his argument sorry yeah his yeah his his ar- his argument is that the fact that this dude is taking estrogen and not getting first place necessarily in all of his races and he did ride in the tour de tucson means oh that guy yeah means that it's fair Right, but he won. The, he, he won. He, he, won tour to he won Tour de Tucson. Yeah, in the women's, in the women. So just because yeah. in the women, but he's not the. Also, best. aren't men and women equal? This is just starts to break down. Freaking everything. Well, down. It just it, it, it's just so sad because it's it's the end of of women's opportunity to participate in sports. It was just right. so sad at the Olympics to see these women who had trained for years and years and years. Uh, you know, I just felt so badly for this one woman who came in fourth. Uh, and the first person was this guy. And, you know, it's just like so clearly unfair. And, so, and it's, it's just the end of, of opportunities for women to be able to, natural women to be able to participate right. in, these, in these areas. And it's just the level of sexual and moral uh, insanity is, is, for my generation, it's really hard for us to even know what to say because we find it just so completely disgusting. Uh, and just so completely outside the realm of, of what's even possible. We just go, how, how did this happen? Yeah. Uh, it's happened so quickly. Yeah. Uh, and when you see people on the left, uh, my age, promoting this stuff, you know that they are having to crush their own upbringing 
uh, to be able to say the things that they're saying because we just look at this and go, this is, this is insane. And it right. is insane. Right. Right. Um, but it is, and it's not confusion. Uh, it is not progression. It is rebellion. That's, right. that's simply what it is. It right. is not confusion. Uh, there, there may be a very small percentage of people who've seriously experienced gender confusion. The right. vast majority of this is pure rebellion. It is God does not have the right to define anything about me, and I'm going to demonstrate that by changing the most fundamental realities of my own personal existence. Right. Well, and there are people, atheists, that believe that like an explosion of transgenderism is a sign of like cultural collapse. Like people who would not even Camille believes that. Oh yeah, I, I um, think it is. Yeah, and she like, it's super interesting. She definitely she goes. Well, from, from a naturalistic perspective, it has to be. I mean, I mean, that's right, right, that's from, right. From a naturalistic world, right. world that's right. perspective, makes sense. you're talking about people no longer having children, uh, and, and from having a, kids is all that matters. And, and from a naturalistic <laughs> perspective, if you do not have a society that can reproduce itself. You now have people just simply sucking from society without provi providing without providing the one thing that society really needs, and that is right. the next generation. Yeah, and, and so from that like, perspective, you see it's it pure in insanity. History, for sure. Yep. Like cultures that embraced this wildly, mm -hmm. and then and then they collapsed. Declined. Yeah. Absolute mm -hmm. collapse. Yep. <laughs> yep. So um, you guys yeah, are so. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain that guy could could crush me, but that's because he's like 25 years younger than I right. am. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I, I would feel. So if you just identified as 25 years younger, could you beat him? <laughs> no, you know it's amazing. Uh, there are these, you know, reality just doesn't seem to want to bend uh, to that. Right. I can identify myself whatever I want, and uh, when I'm climbing Mount Evans, and those those young guys still get up there before me. So <laughs> I cannot. This is such a depressing note to end on. Like I don't want to. <laughs> Okay, guys, so um, get out of your American-centric bubble and learn something about Islam and love your... I'm also going to give you the link to Camille Paglia's uh, yeah, give that to me. thing give about that to me. the decline. I'll throw it in the homework. Associated with... That could be interesting. Transgenderism. Um, love your Muslim neighbor and dad, thanks for coming out here. And good to be here. I've enjoyed yeah. it. And um, go to sheologians.com to check out yeah. our website because it looks amazing. Yeah. It's and, awesome. and it's gonna it, there's more and more changes coming yes. and then um if you want to keep us on the air every time you drink of you drink of water <laughs> <laughs> i need more caffeine every time you drink of the water <laughs> think of us <laughs> and go to patreon.com slash theologians and we'll see you guys next week yeah <laughs>